Chapter 23, Not Lying to Defend the Truth A source of great disappointment to the Christian scholar in the present day is the refusal of many apologists to reckon with certain hard but indisputable facts taught in God's Word. The impression is often given that these men as theologians want to admit what Scripture says about the nature of fallen man and the utmost and necessary authority of God's revelation in any field of knowledge, However, as apologists, they want to act in oblivion or temporary suppression of these truths. Such duplicity is dishonoring to the Christian's calling. Saving faith cannot be grounded in human wisdom or secular presuppositions. It must be generated in the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 4 through 5. Accordingly, the apologist does not speak the wisdom of this world, which is brought to nothing, but the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through 7 Recognition of Christ as the wisdom of God stems not from presuppositions which deny, ignore, or undermine this fact. Instead, such recognition results from the inward work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 Who alone can enable us to gain a knowledge of the things of God. Verse 12 because only the Spirit of God knows these things, verse 11, the Christian does not speak or rely upon autonomous philosophy, history, or science as the world teaches, verse 13. To follow secular presuppositions incapacitates one from discerning the truth about God, verse 14, for they can be understood only by the enlightenment of the Spirit, verses 15 through 16. The pseudo-wisdom of the world, then, is most unsuitable as a foundation or standard for the defender of Christian faith. It cannot improve upon the mind of the Lord, verse 16, but instead leads one inevitably to challenge the truth of God's revelation. Apologetic success is precluded, then, by dependence upon or catering to unauthoritative human foolishness, which is unalterably inclined to crucify the Lord of glory rather than bowing before his sovereign demands. Verse 8. It is the regenerated and enlightened believer, converted from his old manner of disobedient living, who gains wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Right thinking is correlated with right living. Hence, the unbeliever's form of life is an unsuitable framework for the apologist to operate within. If one continues in intellectual sin, refusing to submit, every thought to the Lordship of Christ in the realm of knowledge, he will never come to saving belief. To depart from evil is understanding, Job chapter 28, verse 28. And a good understanding have all they that do his commandments, Psalm chapter 111, verse 10. Consequently, the apologist cannot attempt to persuade the unbeliever by using the unbeliever's style of thought or standards of evidence and truth, etc. Such a procedure simply will not woo him to Christ, but encourage him to assert his own autonomous authority over Christ's claims. However, God's sure word declares that we can know God only if we keep his commandments, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-5. through 5. And those commandments include our obligation to refrain from putting God to a test, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, and to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 Our wisdom and understanding are not found in the cleverness of autonomous thinking but in obeying the law of God Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 6 Genuine knowledge and stability in the face of false opinion are correlated with spiritual maturity in the stature of Christ Ephesians chapter 4 verses 13 through 14 
It is a pleasing walk and morally worthy life which lead to genuine knowledge. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. Now then, it is frankly immoral for the theologian who sees the above truths to use a double standard, admitting these things as a dogmatician, but giving a completely opposite impression in his apologetic procedure. The apologist must not let the unbeliever assume that knowledge is possible given autonomous presuppositions and a disobedient life. God's word is never verified in such a context. In his attempt to bring about the good situation of an unbeliever accepting the word of Scripture, the apologist makes use of an unjustifiable lie if he assumes or leads the unbeliever to think that knowledge is to be gained apart from God or while one persists in a rebellious way of living and thinking. It cannot be ignored that repentance and faith are necessary for a knowledge of the truth. It must not be suggested that the unbeliever needs nothing more than intellectual proof of God's veracity according to standards dictated by secular philosophy and science. The worthy end of converting the unbeliever cannot be realized by, nor can it justify, making apologetical use of a means which operates in disagreement with or opposition to the teaching of Scripture. If the truth of God abounded by my lie unto his glory, why am I still judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we are blasphemed and some allege that we say, let us do evil in order that good may come. The damnation of whom is just. Romans chapter 3 verses 7 through 8. Apologists are prohibited from using a non-presuppositional method in defending the faith under the excuse that thereby truth might abound. The obedient Christian does not lay aside the authority of Christ in the realm in order to argue on the basis of autonomous scholarship. To do so would be to operate with a lie, namely, the satanic lie that knowledge can be determined apart from God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, Romans chapter 1 verse 25, in order to defend the truth. The faithful witness to Christ will not behave as an unbeliever, denying Christ's lordship in order to make him a believer. Evil men cannot speak good things. Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. The evil treasure of the unbeliever's thought is where his heart is. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. From which proceeds evil, deceitful, foolish thoughts. Matthew chapter 15 verses 18 through 19. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. Hence, his tongue is full of iniquity and an unruly evil. James chapter 3 verses 5 through 8. With it, he uses deadly deceit. Romans chapter 3 verses 13 through 14. He thinks that he alone is Lord over the use of his lips. Psalm chapter 12 verse 4, leading him to speak falsehood. Verse 2. Obviously, then, the apologist must not think and speak after the manner of the unbeliever. Instead, his thoughts and words must be rooted in God's word, which is pure and eternally valuable. Psalm chapter 12, verses 6 through 7. It is this word which alone stops every mouth, Romans chapter 3, verse 19, and leaves men speechless, Job chapter 40, verse 4. We must guard the apostolic deposit, Scripture, by turning away from the vain claims of pseudo-knowledge, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, verse 20, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Before God and His word, all the world must be silent. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5, Daniel chapter 10 verse 15, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20, Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 7, Zechariah chapter 2 verse 13. 
We then must rely upon God and not our own wisdom. Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9. Only then will we see apologetic success as he enables us not to be confounded and makes none able to contend with our message. Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9. Therefore, we conclude that the apologist must be transformed by a renewed mind and not fashion his thinking according to the world. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. He must not lie or abandon God's presupposed truth in order to bring acceptance of that truth by evil speakers.